Hello, this is Erwin Raphael McManus. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, that it was early in the morning on the first day of the week. It was the third day after Jesus had been crucified and the women went to the tomb. They brought anointing oil to take care of his body, to give to him their last respects, to express to them their love and honor. When we got to the tomb, we were told that the tomb was empty and they were confused and the stone had been rolled away and the body was gone. And then it says that there were these men, they were gleaming like lightning. And they engaged the women and asked them, what are they doing there? And, and the women were terrified. They bowed down and they explained, we're looking for our Lord, but someone has taken his body. We don't know where they put him. And then in verses five and six, these, these men gleaming like lightning, these angelic beings looked at these women and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. This question to me is one of those peculiar questions that seemed almost incredulous. You look for the dead among the dead and Jesus was dead. It, it was a question that had an assumption that no one could make. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And, and if they had not been terrified, those women probably would have looked at those angels and said, no, we're looking for the dead among the dead. We're not out of our minds. We understand how life works. But, but their statement reframed everything, and it reframes everything to this day. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? So you need to understand that Jesus, even though he was crucified, was never among the dead. He was always the living. You know one of the hardest things in the world to do is to give someone something they think they already have. And that, I think, is the dilemma even in our own relationship with, with Jesus, our relationship with God. We, we turn to God for what we need, or maybe more accurately, we turn to God for what we think we need. And so when we pray, if, if we don't have a car, we pray for a car and ask Jesus to give us a car. If we don't have a house, we, we pray and ask Jesus to give us a house. If we, if we need a, a, a wife, we pray and ask Jesus to give us a wife. Or if we need a husband, we pray and ask Jesus to give us a husband. And so we spend our entire lives asking God to give us what we don't have. And, and, and sometimes it, it, it becomes more essential. God, I, I need a future. I, I can see I don't have a future. Or God, I have a dream and I can't seem to achieve that dream. So God needs your help to achieve that dream. But what is really challenging, what's really difficult, in fact, I think what must be so perplexing for God is that the thing we need most, the, the very thing he wants to give us is the very thing we think we already have. See, he, he didn't come to, to give us a car or to give us a house or, or even necessarily give us a husband or a wife. He, he came to actually give us life, but we think we already have life. We, we have all the tangential evidence that we are alive. I mean, after all, I, I'm here right now. I'm, 
I'm talking to you, I'm breathing, I'm, I'm aware of, of my existence. And this was true before I met Jesus. By the way, before I entered into a relationship with Jesus, I was a conscious human being. I, I, I breathed, I thought, I dreamed, I lived, or at least I thought I lived. But Jesus is reframing everything through this conversation between these women and these angelic beings saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see, maybe the problem is that the very thing that we need most, the thing that God came to give us, the the thing that Jesus came to bring to us, we are so convinced we already have. And so it's virtually impossible for God to give us what we need most. We, We just want to add ornaments to our existence. We, we wanna add some kind of environmental addition to our experience. We want things to make our existence more tolerable, more palatable. But maybe God isn't trying to put bandages on the deep disease of our souls. He's not trying to make our existence palatable. He's not trying to make our existence tolerable. He is trying to move us from existence to life. It was the first day of the week and it was early in the morning and there might have been a, a, a biting cold that day. And, and there, there must have been in that moment an incredible sense of despair and hopelessness that the, the women had placed all their trust in Jesus. He was supposed to be the, the Messiah, the Christ. He was supposed to be not yet to them the savior of the world, but the savior of their world. And and all that hope was lost. All all the promise had disappeared the moment he was crucified. And and, and to me, there's such an incredible sense of, of respect for these women. Jesus had let them down. Jesus had not come through. Jesus, it seemed, was not who he claimed to be. All of their trust and confidence was placed in him and It was all lost. I don't know if I would have shown up on the third day. See, I'm not sure if I would have been so loyal a friend to Jesus that I would show up on the third day to say, it's okay. We thought what you told us about yourself was true, and now we know it's not, but but we're still with you. See, when when they said to the angels, we are looking, I'm looking for my Lord. We are looking for our Lord, but but we don't know where they've put him. I'm saying, wait a minute. If, If someone put your Lord somewhere, he should not be your Lord. And, and it struck me that, that there was a level of love and admiration for Jesus that I don't think many of us understand. Somehow, what, what Jesus had taught them to experience, the, the depth of love and life that they had already come to know in him, was something they couldn't shake or let go of. And, and, and isn't it odd that even if Jesus wasn't for them everything they had hoped. He was more than they could ever hoped for. Well, when I came to faith in, in Jesus, I was the last one in my family to actually cross that line of faith. My, my, my mom came to faith. My, my sister came to faith. My brother came to faith. My other sister came to faith. And I was the one that just sort of hung on. And, and a month before I gave my life to Jesus, my brother, who was an atheist, gave his life to Jesus, which is really... Uh, honestly, it was so confusing to me to have my brother who was an atheist visiting a church and reading a Bible and hanging out with, with Christians. And I felt like it was so hypocritical. And, 
And, and, and yet when he gave his life to Jesus, something really peculiar happened. Uh, a year later, when we were having a conversation, he calls me up. We're, we're now at, at different universities and, and he, he says, Erwin, you know what? I, it, did you know that when we die, we go to heaven? And he had just figured that out a year after he had given his life to Jesus. Now, a lot of people who grew up in church, they hear about heaven all the time. And, and, and I think that a part of the motivation of, well, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and, and to give your life to Jesus is so that you can go to heaven when you die. But it wasn't for my brother. He gave his life to Jesus without any knowledge that there was an afterlife. He gave his life to Jesus without any promise of of, of heaven at all. And I remember when he, he he was talking to me on the phone, he was so excited. It was like as if he had found the prize inside of the cereal box. And, and he said, did you know that we're going to go to heaven when we die? I said, yeah, Alex, I, I figured that one out pretty much right away. He goes, well, I had no idea. This is so exciting. And it hit me that his relationship with Jesus was was maybe even purer than, than the one I had. He had come to Jesus without any promise of life after death. He had found his fulfillment, his joy, the promise of hope in Jesus, not for life after death, but because of life before death. See, if the angel had said to him, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I I think somehow, my brother would have known that he was walking among the dead. He was just looking for a way to live now, here. See, I think a lot of us, we spend our lives, even in our faith journey, looking for the living among the dead. We want God to make our lives more interesting while we're dead. We want God to make our lives easier while we're dead. We want God to maybe make us more successful while we're dead, we want God to bring a relationship into our life so we can have a little bit less loneliness while we're dead. And we're okay being dead as long as God can supplement our death with other experiences that create an illusion of being alive. But God doesn't want us to live in the mirage because if you, if you walk a desolate desert long enough and are depleted of, of water, Eventually, you'll begin to see the mirage. You'll begin to see what isn't there, but what you need to see or want to see or convince yourself exists. And and Jesus does not want you to live in the illusion of life, the mirage of life. He wants you to see the reality of what is here. The women went to the tomb where the dead live. And there there is sort of a wonderful thing about well, the dead. The dead are predictable. They're, they're, they're a constant. They, you, you, you put the dead in a tomb and they stay. There, there's no arguing. There's no confusion. There's no chaos. I mean, the most organized community in the world is a cemetery. Everyone is exactly where they should be. Except, of course, if you're Jesus. <laughs> you, you, you ever... Um, get people frustrated because you're not very cooperative? <laughs> you want to know who the most uncooperative person in the world was when it came to death? It was Jesus. He completely refused to play by the rules. He didn't understand that dead people are supposed to stay dead. 
He didn't know that death was terminal. He didn't know that death was permanent. It seemed to him that death was just a, a passing phase from life to life because death has no power over life. It reminds me of, of the beginning of our story. You know, not, not my story or your story, but, but, but the human story, our story. How God creates all of creation, all the beauty and wonder of sunrises and sunsets and deserts and oceans and mountains and valleys, all the splendor of his imagination. And then he takes dust from the ground and, and it says that he breathed into that dust and, and created human life. But it says that, that the man, the human, became a living being. Why does it need to accentuate living? I mean, wouldn't that be obvious? Except maybe not. See, maybe we are the ones who are confused about what living looks like. The story of us is that we were alive because God breathed into us. And that was the beginning of the living story of humanity. And then you find these interesting contrasts in the scriptures when God is working with Israel and trying to convince them to trust him and follow him. And he says, I set before you a choice. And he says, there's a blessing and there's a curse. And, and, and then he says, if you, if you choose the blessing, you'll choose to follow me, you'll trust me. And, and this is the contrast. The blessing, the cursed, the, it, it, choose life, not death. And, and, and so the blessing isn't even like choosing prosperity or, 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 or choosing progress or choosing wealth or, or choosing health or choosing happiness. Saying, like, no, no, here's the choice. Blessing, curse. It's life, death. So he says, so choose me. And, and I think this is the, the challenge sometimes. We, we think that there's life and death and then we should choose God. But what he's actually telling us is that, no, 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 you don't understand. There's some words that are synonymous. There, there, there's some words that if you look them up in the thesaurus, they, they are different ways of saying the same thing. And God is saying, choose me because I am life. And, and we need to begin to realize that when you say God, you're also saying life. And when you're saying life, you're, you're, you're actually saying God. You just may not realize it because outside of God, there's only existence. And, and when we step into God, we have finally stepped into life. This is the intersection that God keeps trying to take us to. See, if, if you wonder what God is trying to do in your life, whether you believe in him or not, is he's trying to bring you to an intersection where you finally realize there's a choice to be made. And the choice is between life and existence. I, I don't know if death actually works because for, for most of us, when we think of the word death, we think of like non-existence, non-awareness. But what we've come to realize through the observations of Jesus, when we see through the eyes of Jesus, is that death looks a lot like us. Death looks like bitterness and envy. Death looks like anger, violence, 
Death looks like rage. Death looks like jealousy and greed. See, we, we think that death looks like some stationary object. Death is a rock in the middle of the desert. It's not. Death is what life looks like without God. Death is what life looks like without love. Death is what life looks like without hope. Death is what life looks like without faith. Death is what life looks like without Jesus. It was early in the morning on the first day of the week. It was the third day after Jesus had been crucified and the women went to the tomb to anoint his body. And when they arrived at the tomb, the stone had been rolled away and the women were confused. And then they saw these two men gleaming like lightning. And they asked him so innocently in response to their question, what are you looking for? And maybe that's the question God is asking you. What are you looking for? What do you hope to find in your search for God? What are you trying to prove? I said, we're looking for our Lord, but we can't find where they put his body. And it struck me that there, there's, there's some of you listening right now. There was a time you had faith and you may have lost your faith. There, there may have been a time where you felt really close to God and, and yet now you feel so distant from God. There was a time where you believed in Jesus, but now you're not sure about Jesus. And, and, and maybe you're here and like these women, you misplaced God. I mean, what a strange thing to say, we're looking for a Lord, we don't know where they've put him. I, I want you to know, if you have lost God at some way, somewhere along the way, if you lost Jesus somewhere along the road, the place you lost him was the last time you trusted him. You can go back to that moment where God spoke to you and, and maybe he spoke some hard words and he told you there are things in your life that you need to let go of so that you could live. To you, those things you were holding on to, they were life. And, and that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, isn't that really the, the conflict with God? That the very things that, that we want and we hold on so tightly because they are our source of life. God says, I need you to let go of those because they're stealing life from you. And, and I, I, I've been there. I felt it so profoundly. And sometimes it's as, as, as deep as a dream. You have a dream for your life and you just, you're pursuing with everything you have and you want God to jump on board to support your dream. And God is saying, that dream is stealing your life from you. I will not help you step into death. Sometimes it's as palatable as a relationship. You know that destructive relationship you can't let go of? That, that person that you know is actually stealing life from you, but but you're so afraid to be alone. You're, you're so afraid that that, that, that that person who will actually be life-giving will never come. You're so afraid that God will not come through that you just can't let go of that person. And so you hold tighter and tighter and tighter. And you don't realize that as you hold on to that relationship tighter, you're actually suffocating yourself. You're not able to breathe deeply of life. And Jesus will do whatever he has to do to convince you that this is not a source of life, it's stealing life from you. And sometimes it's just as superficial as the stuff that makes us feel alive. You know, the, the, the cars, the houses, the, 
the, the bling or the things, the stuff that just that fills the empty spaces of our souls because at least we feel alive. And you know what's worse? When we become the envy of others, we, we, can, we can use their envy as our proof that we're alive. Look, everybody wants to be me. Everybody wants my stuff. Everybody wants my life. And that becomes a mirage. Fame is, I think, another word for existence, for the mirage that makes us feel alive. Because that's not who we are. How many times has Jesus tried to wrestle you free from the things that have stolen your life and keep you trapped in your existence? What are you looking for? I'm looking for my Lord. Then why are you looking here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. You know, from the very beginning of the movement of Jesus, when, when followers of Christ would, would try to identify each other because to identify with Jesus would be a risk to your life, it would be a threat on your life. And so one follower of Jesus would say, he is risen. And another would say, he is risen indeed. Isn't it crazy that the confession of these followers of Jesus became he is risen. Do not look for the living among the dead. And I want you to know when you put your trust in Jesus, you will no longer be among the dead. You will be among the living. That's why we're here. That's why it's Easter. That's why we celebrate. Because death had no power over him. And it has no power over us. And I want you to know, in this moment, Jesus is here. He is present. He is waiting for you to open your life to him. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, I want you right now just to make a decision to cross the line of faith and to give your life to Jesus, to ask him for forgiveness, to ask him for freedom, to ask him for a future, more than anything, to ask him for what you need most, to live. Right now, if you're ready to move from death to life, from existence to life. I want to lead you in a prayer where you can leave death behind and step into the life that God created you to live. Would you pray with me right now? If you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, just pray this simple prayer, just one sentence. It's not everything you and God need to talk about, but, but it's where everything begins. Right now, would you pray with me? Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Even as I pray this prayer, I hear this rooster crowing on this cool early morning. It's a reminder to me that, that even Peter, who was Jesus' faithful disciple, who Jesus would choose to lead the church, betrayed Jesus three times. And he heard this rooster crow three times, and it was a reminder to him of his betrayal of Jesus. And later it would become a reminder to him of the faithfulness of Jesus. And I want you to know, if you just prayed and invited Jesus in your life, 
He will never leave you or forsake you. There's nothing you can do or will ever do to lose his love. And if you just cross the line of faith, I want to welcome you to life itself. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.